What is the Podcaster Matrix? The Podcaster Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. I loathe bees. Sure, you can tell me all you want about how beneficial they are for the environment and that they bring the sweet spring fling for all of us in North America with their pollen-spreading antics. But to this, I say shenanigans. Inside this soon-to-be-recently-reviewed episode of Friday the 13th, the series, my dislike of our winged, buzzing friends is confirmed. Now they're sucking blood and causing the death of townsfolk and lead to beekeepers that transform, extort, and kill? It's all ahead inside this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. A complete, detailed, and always educational revisit to each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 2, Episode 11, The Sweetest Sting. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm your other host, Nicholas J. Hearn. Nick, some quick housekeeping. Pediatric sports medicine aplenty. Nick, Dr. Mark's program has finally gone live and is being well-received. Who knew that pediatric sports medicine would be such a giant, prolifically popular topic? Everybody who's in that (laughs) said profession and all of the parents who have young kids that yeah. are that are prolific in sports i think I, I, i'm not actually i'm not surprised I, i'm not i'm not either I, I i just am excited that not only is it a, a friend of mine from high school but that we're able to help him bring his vision and want of having a podcast to life inside of the pediatric sports medicine podcast which all of you can check out right now over at pediatric sports medicine podcast.com Check it out now. Drop Dr. Mark a note that you listened and continue listening to the Pediatric Sports Medicine Podcast. Launching a podcast of your own. Nick, we just got done with yet another St. Louis Podcasters meetup where we instructed yet another class of would-be podcasters to launch their podcast. Do you know a lot of people that want to have a podcast, Nick? Ironically enough, yeah. My uh, my wife's actually kicking around the idea uh, she has way too many topics, 
concepts, I should say, uh, and she's trying sure. to shove them into one. Yeah. Uh, she's a nurse, mm-hmm. so she wants to do something where nurses can get together and kind of just vent about the craziness of uh, working Nursing, in the yeah, medical sure. profession. Mm-hmm. But then she's also a crafter. She she does her mm. own homemade crafts, and she sells that stuff at craft shows. But then also she loves beer. Mm. And she feels like the world could definitely be a better place with her opinions on all of these beers. Her family calls her a beer snob because it's not just, you know, we live in St. Louis, so you would think, well, you only drink Budweiser. Well, guess what? There's more than just Budweiser. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've seen her uh, Facebook feed, too. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Yes. That I've, I've never even heard of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm certain has flavors that I've never even considered. Yeah. And, uh, and that again, that's just testament to how many different topics and things can be talked about inside of a podcast. Mm-hmm. If you out there have an interest in starting your own podcast, make sure you go check out podcastermatrix.com, where you'll find not only the instruction and details to launch your own podcast, but to foster your own podcast. That's over at podcastermatrix.com. Nick, enough on the housekeeping side. It's time to suit up and take on the winged, stinging bastards no! of bees inside this episode. They're season- in my eyes! My <laughs> eyes! Season 2, episode 11, reviewing... The Sweetest Sting. Let's get to the retail. A truck pulls to the side of the road and creaks to a stop behind a man with a station wagon. A man brings several boxes to the back of said station wagon. They're filled with honey. The man from the truck with a Yankees cap is looking for some honey. Unfortunately, the beekeeper with the boxes of honey spills some on the man with the Yankees cap. How rude! He then twists back to his station wagon and grabs a box. A box of bees. He releases the buzzing horde on the man with the Yankees cap who's had honey spilled on him and they sting him to death. Then they re-swarm back into the beekeeper's boxes. A hive, if you will. A traveling hive. A cursed hive. Later that evening, a different man is inside of a farm, inside of an easy chair. He extends his hands through two holes in a wall that feature a window. His hands have honey spread onto them. He's then shackled into place inside of the chair with his hands extended. This evil beekeeper's into some crazy stuff, Mike. The beekeeper then dons his beekeeper's bonnet again and releases the buzzing friends onto the man's hands, who then begin to sting the man's hands, who then dies, but then isn't dead. The man's face has been transformed into the man who previously had a New York Yankees baseball cap. But he was killed. How did that happen? It's magic. It's the curse. The upkeep for the previously old dying gentleman who is now renewed? A weekly upkeep of honey. Meanwhile, on another farm across Canada, Mickey shows up looking for a man who's bought a beehive. His brother comes to the front door with a shotgun and an angry dog. He's ready to set it loose on her. She's hunting for the brother who has unfortunately apparently died. He encourages her to get off his lawn because it ain't safe out here when nightfall comes. She leaves. It's no easy task trying to hunt down cursed objects. 
Later on in a doctor's office, a man is being given news of cancer. He has about six months or a year. In the doctor's opinion, there are things that can be done, but they would just drag out the process. She tries to reassure him that everyone's time comes someday. Sad, but true. He trades glances with a man that looks suspiciously like the man that had the Yankees cap on previously inside this episode. Because it is a man that looks exactly like the man who had a Yankees cap on previously inside this episode. And then continues walking. Back at the Curious Goods Antique Shop, Mickey is sharing information with Jack and Ryan that the man who purchased the hive is now dead. They don't know what the hive does, but apparently neither did the writers of this episode. The recently diagnosed with cancer man is now visiting with his boss, who is totally unsympathetic and says, You're done at the end of the week. Your pension has been refit and doesn't fit you anymore. Close the door when you leave, he says, and the man sheepishly leaves. Well, this guy's just not having a good day. No, this is not the day for awesome. Ryan returns back to the shop and amazingly quickly has the medical examiner's report. Death by bee stings for the recently searched for brother. It's a strange death to be sure, but why that man? Time to grab Rashid's car and find out what's going on. The recently cancer-diagnosed, recently-fired man is walking aimlessly down the street and sees the same strange man that looks just like the man who had the Yankees cap previously inside this episode. Because it is a man that looks exactly like the man with the Yankees cap that was seen previously inside this episode. He knows his name and says, Hey man, it's me, Ben Landis. Is Ben the man who supposedly died in a car wreck but was transformed into another man with the special bees? Yes. Amazing. You can start over again if you'd like. Just like me, it's time to take a second chance. Recently cancer diagnosed, recently fired man ponders the possibilities and looks at the note given to him with words on it. It says to visit him at the apiary. No, it's not the place with monkeys. It's the place with bees. He visits it and wants to make sure that his wife will be taken care of no matter what happens to him. The beekeeping man promises that he can help, but he can never revisit his previous life. The man agrees and returns home to try to have the final conversation with his wife. The unsympathetic boss man heads into an elevator, and a man, you know, a guy wearing a beekeeper suit, also follows him into the elevator. Can you hold that door? Basement garage, please. He offers some honey to the younger boss man, and whoops! He smears honey all over him and then releases the buzzing friends who will take care of that unsympathetic boss man asshole. The man screams to a buzzing death as the elevator descends lower and lower. Snap to an evening with previously diagnosed with cancer, recently fired man, the beekeeper guy, and the former Yankees cap guy who was told that another dead body is needed to cover for the recently diagnosed with cancer, recently fired man's body after he's transformed. He's going to have to kill somebody or he won't get his needed weekly infusion of honey to keep him young. The beekeeper six bees on the recently diagnosed with cancer, recently fired man's hands, which have had honey spread all over them. He is stung too and, quote, dies. Shortly thereafter, the man who now looks like the Yankees cap man picks up a hitchhiker that ran out of gas down the street. Hmm, two and two equals dead. That's pretty good math, Mike. 
recently diagnosed with cancer, recently fired man, has now been transformed into a newer, younger dude that <gasps> looks suspiciously like his boss. He cackles into his new life. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at a local corn combine with keys in it, Yankee's Catman is now killing the hitchhiker and chooses to corn combine the body. He revs the engine and does the corn combine deed. <laughs> because every corn combine just has the keys left in it. Nick, would you mind go starting up the corn combine down the street quick? That'd be awesome. I'd hate to be the local sheriff because, well, it looks like this is an accident. Even though this man's car is out of gas like several miles away, uh, he must have been wandering through this. He must have wandered home and never been reported. He, he was wandering through this area that didn't need any corn combining, <laughs> and somehow it turned uh, Yeah, never mind. Sorry. De <laughs> derailing the retail. Sorry. <laughs> I'm certain that there's a hose to hose down the corn combine. Right. Onward. Mickey and Ryan revisit the angry man with a shotgun and angry dog who encourages them to leave once again. The only help is staying inside with the windows shut. Strange, but true. Jack Marshak. Man of action. Visits the beekeeper man. Also known as McCabe. Sure, because that all the names are so omnipresent in this episode. They have a short conversation, after which Jack is ushered off by a strangely older-looking man that looks suspiciously like the previously seen man with a Yankee cap, but older. That same man is requesting the honey because I need the honey. After Jack leaves, the beekeeper assaults the aging in the Yankee cap man and says you need to not put this operation in peril again. Aging Yankee Cap Guy won't say anything and is given the jar of honey to replenish himself. Mickey, Jack, and Ryan meet up in a beautiful Canadian Vista background to talk about memories of her books from high school that talked about Egyptian mythology and how honey was kept to keep people young. Jack confirms her presumption because, well, he's Jack Marshak. Man of action and man of knowledge. Because even today, we insist that honey is good for us and helps with a whole bunch of other stuff. Well said. They keep an eye on the beekeeping man to see what's up. Recently died in a corn combine accident, cancer diagnosed, recently fired man, contacts his wife and his new body to ensure that she's all right. But that's breaking the beekeeper's rules. Meanwhile, Ryan is snooping through the beekeeper's farm and finds the room where people stick their hands through the gate and become transformed. Mickey is in another area of the farm, also snooping illegally. She finds Ryan, and they both wonder what that chair is for. Ryan goes to check out the loft, because why not? It's a loft. Mickey finds jars of honey. She blindly tastes it. Yeah, that's a great idea. Ryan finds a box of bees, and a man asks, Do you like bees, son? Because these bees like you. Ryan warns Mickey to flee. Flee, Mickey, flee! As the evil beekeeper man releases the evil bees. They chase after Ryan and Mickey in the dark and the inserted fog. The bees find and sting Mickey relentlessly. Ryan grabs a conveniently located fire extinguisher and fends off the deadly bees. They head back to the Curious Goose Antique Shop. Jack deduces that the bees are bloodsuckers. 
Well, it's very scientific, Mike. He's looking at the bee under a microscope. Of mm -hmm. course he knows the science revolving around all of this. Sure. Instead of a bee dying after it stings, they, these are perfectly fine until Ryan froze them. But they're filled with blood, as you could see underneath the microscope. It's all very scientific. The honey from the bees will keep people young somehow, maybe. But there's still a piece of the puzzle that's missing. It's time to visit the angry man with the shotgun and the angry dog again to find out more. The corn combine cancer diagnosed recently fired man's wife contacts his boss, who is actually the now recently corn combined cancer diagnosed recently fired man in transformation. I think we get it. Okay. She asks about the change of beneficiary on the insurance policy? What the hell, Nick? What the hell indeed, Mike. The beekeeper then visits the recently corn combine, recently cancer diagnosed, recently fired man in his new body and tells him that he wasn't supposed to revisit his wife. It's time to collect your debt. I'm always in need of bodies. I need you to kill somebody. The beekeeper's eventual plan is to have people in high up positions pay him for his sweet services. And he will get the leads for him because if you don't, then there's no honey. And recently transformed corn combine, recently cancer diagnosed, recently fired man will then die. By the way, I've had three visitors from the local antique shop and I want them all dead. No honey for you until they're all gone. Back outside the angry man with the shotgun with the angry dog's house, Ryan overtakes the man and takes the shotgun. Now it's time for answers. You see the bees? We're from hell, you see. My brother, you see, got the bees. The bees transformed my brother into the young beekeeper's body. There's no way to fight a thing like this. I'm going back into my house to be angry and feed my angry dog and load my shotgun. Do you think it's an angry shotgun? I think it's probably an angry shotgun. Probably. But we can't run away from it either. And our daring trio leave the farm and crazy angry shotgun man and angry dog. Recently corn combined, recently diagnosed with cancer, recently fired man in his boss's body revisits his former wife who isn't being receptive. Jojo knows that the boss, the real boss, not the one sitting in front of her, but she thinks it's the one sitting in front of her, fired her husband just before his death. He was just an old man that didn't measure up to you. It's time for you to leave, she says. As he leaves, the beekeeper chloroforms Mrs. Recently Corn Combined, Recently Diagnosed with Cancer, Recently Fired Man's wife. Later that evening, an aging, transformed, recently corn combined, recently diagnosed with cancer, recently fired man visits the beekeeper and admits that he can't kill anyone. The beekeeper is now holding his previous wife hostage. The beekeeper tells him that it's time to start killing or his wife will feel his wrath. Mickey and Jack and Ryan are staking out the farm. They decide for a full frontal assault again and head in through the open back window. How could it be a frontal assault if they're sneaking in through a back window? Because reasons. Let's enjoy the killing bees. Shut thy mouth. Now inside the stable, Mickey and Ryan get some boxes to steal the honey. That is apparently the beekeeper's magical serum as well. Ryan heads out with one box, and Mickey starts stacking the honey into a second. Back in the car, recently corn combined, recently diagnosed with cancer, recently fired man, heads back to face off with the beekeeper. 
Mickey hears a woman gasping and struggling. Oh my goodness, it's the recently transformed aging corn combine, recently diagnosed with cancer, recently fired man's wife. She tries to release her, but the beekeeper finds them and cackles. <laughs> Back inside, Mickey has been put into the chair of death. As the beekeeper prepares to initiate the bees, recently corn combine, recently diagnosed with cancer, recently fired man, pulls a not-so-angry shotgun out on the beekeeper. He is unfortunately overtaken, and then the beekeeper releases the bees on Ryan, Mickey, Jack, and the recently transformed aging corn combine, recently diagnosed with cancer, recently fired man's wife. It's all very exciting. The recently transformed aging corn combine, recently diagnosed with cancer, recently fired man stays behind and wields the shotgun. He shoots the honey in the beekeeper's hands. The shattered honey spreads across the beekeeper, and the bees descend upon him and kill the beekeeper with stings of their own. The soon-to-be-dead, transformed, recently corn-combined, recently diagnosed with cancer, recently fired man, falls at the feet of his former wife, and he continues to age as he transforms back to his previous self and dies. After Ryan, Mickey, and Jack release the bees... Huh? Our daring trio admit that it's very important to do something when something wrong is being committed. And a curiously tainted beehive is... Recovered! Every episode of Friday the 13th has goods and bads. Nick, let's focus on the good. A villainous performance. How fun is it to have a villain that not only is the villain, but leans into being the villain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, that's that, that it, makes the episode a hell of a lot better. Yeah, I, I think uh, especially just in, again, as we review this podcast, it's now 2020, but I think that the, the, the kitsch thing right now is to have something where there's twists and turns in regard to who is actually the bad guy. Are they, or are they really bad, or is it kind of a... Are they bad because they have to be bad, but they're really The different good. shades of gray. It's not yeah. black and white. There has to be different shades of gray where your villain is concerned. Right. I love the fact that this is late 80s, so we're not really caught up on that. There's moral decisions that need to be made yeah. in mm-hmm. these episodes, and when they're done well, they're, they're and those are in the really good episodes. Yeah. To where you're like, I understand why you're doing this, but you really, you still shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. This guy, McCabe is just, hey, I found a way. Not only can I live forever, but I can also make a shit ton of money yeah. by helping other people live forever. Yeah, and then have them under their thumb where yeah. he can then get whatever he wants as time goes by. And I, the, I, I the I actor, it. Art Hindle, uh, has been a lot, of, a lot of stuff up there in Canada. Uh, mm-hmm. Two of his bigger roles were in uh, Porky's. Oh. For all you uh, comedy lovers out there. But then also, for the horror fans, he was in uh, the original Black Christmas. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. I-, I loved him. I- again, uh, when you could have a straightforward villain, and we absolutely have that in this, it's, it's, it's much more interesting. The mechanics of the item are a mystery. This is great because our traditional book of knowledge slash Jack's library slash Jack's all-knowing, seeing eye of knowledge is not instantly available to have and grab the information inside of a two- or three-sentence expositionary scene. Right, right. A lot of season one, it was pretty much, okay, we know what we're looking for, so we go to the manifest, and the manifest tells us exactly what we're up against. Mm -hmm. 
I've noticed a lot here in season two, we've kind of strayed away from that to where we might know a little bit of information, but we don't know exactly what the curse is or the full extent to what the cursed object is is yeah and i really like that i've uh, I've been enjoying that i do too and they uh, as as brief as it was and uh, they've gone gaga into having special effects and detail showcase now inside of most series where mm. there's got to be some sort of csi like scene inside of a movie that explains exactly what's going on inside right. the P's body and we don't need to have any of that it's, it's very straightforward inside of this quickly without any of all the detail it's really good the location. This is extraordinary because mm-hmm. while uh, obviously the common sense factor goes out the windows, and I don't think bees are active at night like at all. I think they they hum, but they don't do anything at night. Right. And we have lots of night scenes with bees, although of course they are bees are not right. They're, they're not. They're bees. not evil vampire bees <laughs> cursed from hell. <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. That so, so I mean, I, I can understand why they'd be active at night. Yeah, so, <laughs> oh yeah, I'd forgotten that. And also, no regular bees were harmed in the filming of this, <laughs> of this episode. episode. Right. Right. Because there were no regular bees that's, inside this. Well, episode. yes, that's right. But we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> that's right. It's just, it's small, barely an inconvenience. But yes, the location, the fact that we're out in the country again. Uh, we we yeah. get those great shots of the countryside, yeah. Canadian countryside, but we're, we're supposed to pretend that it's America. Mm-hmm. They go out of their way to actually have a lot of conversation scenes outside yeah. between characters. Yeah. And I like that because we're not in the city. We're not on a set. We're not in the block. I, right. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I think the other thing I really got from this, too, is there's a, there's a series of videos I've latched on to in the last couple of weeks and it's from a content provider named wrangler star i'll make sure that we got a link inside the show notes for it and what i really appreciate about it is that it's not only the lessons and information that he's giving about stuff that i really never got any tutelage on mm-hmm. like axe wielding and understanding how wood work and mm, okay things like that work it's a very interesting channel but what's also very interesting is that the guy and his family are located in the nowheresville of idaho oh and so the okay. vistas are just it, it's it's not alien environment because I grew up with snow as well, but it's Idaho, dude, and it's like <laughs> you know a foot and a half of snow every right. three hours or something. It, it's a it's a very different, interesting venue, and I love it when we can be submerged inside of things like that. And I think this episode was able to do that incredibly well. That's where we ask you guys, what did you think was positive about this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you found good about this episode. Well, just like the goods, every episode of Friday the 13th, the series also comes with some bads. Let's take a look at the not-so-goods for this episode. A B minus on the B effects. And a B minus is very, very generous. <laughs> I would call this a D minus, but I get the whole B pun. Sorry. Ha ha ha. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, normally we really don't harp on the quote unquote special effects because, yes, this is, this, this is a show from the late 80s. It's not going to look all that great when they try to do green screen effects they don't have the budget for that that being said though wow okay this was really bad 
to the point to where we had to at least mention it here in the bads because of the fact that the actors did a really good job at pretending they were being stung to death. Mm-hmm. So so it, that helps sell it. But <laughs> these things didn't even look like bees. They looked like big black blots. Unfortunately, the special effects kind of fall flat with it where this episode is concerned. I, I will I will in general agree. I, again, my my loathing of bees mostly comes from 1978's The Swarm. I don't know if you remember that film yeah. or not. Okay. And inside of that film, there's a whole bunch of colloquial, commonsensical things to escape from bees that don't end up working out well. And and the effects in that were also equally as mm, yeah. detrimental to concept of realism. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I I was not on board with the bee effects in this. But like, what are you going to do? You know, you yeah, right. Bees, yeah. and you can't just have actors swinging around with nothing. That doesn't work either. Yeah, so. no, I, I I get it. I get it. It's just unfortunate that because of those effects, this episode does not age well. Because of it, really. Because I'm, of it? I yes. Okay. Got it. Overcomplication of cursed item. We seem to be running into this trend where this show is concerned, where the item isn't as straightforward as it used to be. Uh, our previous episode, Night Hunger. You would think, oh, it's a, it's a killer car. It's a cursed car. Or it's a cursed key to a car. That turns it evil. Uh, no, it's a chain that you put a key on that you dip in blood. And you're not even dipping the chain in blood. You're dipping the key. Yeah, who wrote the instruction manual for that one? Uh, exactly. uh, uh, again, it's it's one of the most compli- overcomplicated yeah. uh, ones we've run into. This one, a little bit, it, it's almost there. It's not as complicated as Night Hunger. But this one, it, it, for me, it kind of felt like, a simple way to do this would be, hey, okay, so there's a cursed beehive carrier. You put the bees in there, that transforms the bees into vampire bees. All right, I'm with you so far. Those vampire bees sting and suck the blood out of unsuspecting victim number one. Then they come back to the hive, make honey, and you, the owner of cursed item, eat that honey and stay young and beautiful forever. So now all you're doing is you're traveling around, killing people with your bees and eating honey. That's pretty simple. But but no, wait, wait, there's more. <laughs> In this episode, the bees sting somebody to death, stealing their blood. That person's dead. Then we get another person who wants to change their identity. They get stung and infused with the blood of the previous victim, changing their appearance. And now they have to have special honey every week to keep that appearance or they revert back to normal and die. That sounds very complicated. But then you add on the fact that McCabe extorts these people by making them kill. So he has these extra bodies lying around to do the whole accidental death for the people that he's transformed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's extremely complicated. Mm -hmm. And I feel if we just stuck it with, hey, vampire bees and I live forever, we could have had maybe a more straightforward episode. And there's a piece that I I didn't understand at the end where, you know, uh, I'm not the environmentalist guy, in case any of you haven't discerned that. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) screw nature. I I kind of vote rather than letting the vampire blood sucking bees go at the end. 
How about some flamethrower on that? Uh, true. Because of the okay. bees that I want floating around, I don't think I want any blood-sucking bees at all. Right, and right. I vote for death I, for the bees. I know the you vote for bees. death. But in dialogue, Jack Jack says it. And it's it okay makes, to let them go. It is. No, it's be, not okay it is to okay let to let them go because it was the cursed item that turned them into vampires. Who wants blood sucking bees? They're not vampires around? anymore, Mike. That's the thing. Once the curse is broken and the item is placed in the vault and doesn't even have a beehive in it, those bees transform back into normal bees. Where was that said? Or is that an it, at the end of the episode? Oh. The, Jack well, says this. Jack says he Jack goes, Marshak, the man bees of have action. Now been transformed back to sweet honey making bees. Exactly. He says without the cursed item, they're just regular bees. Oh, all right. Well, never mind. I still think there should be flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> Flame on. <laughs> Score doesn't follow formula. When you wrote this, I'm on board with understanding what you are talking about. Yeah. But I'm also, I am one of the people that I like it when uh, when things go against the grain mm-hmm. of what is traditional. And I, I, I realize the sliding scope, especially over a program that's 30 years old, is not going to be following the same trope and concept of what we're doing now. Yeah, all right, right, yeah. Uh, but I, I do like it when scores will tend to go out of their way to not be the norm. The swirling violin up to something potentially dangerous. Right, right. right. I, I, I abhor that regardless of when it happens. And so I, I, go, go ahead and describe where you were going. I just wanted to make sure I got that in. Well, one of the reasons why this is in the bads is because, uh, and I'll, I'll take the scene where Mickey and Ryan, the first time they're searching through the barn, mm-hmm. there's this nice, creepy score that's supposed to help build the, the, the mood. Well, personally, I don't think that we needed a score. And if it was going to be scored, it should be very, very light because we're trying to be quiet. So why have a loud score going on at the same time? You're you're kind of doing two things at once. You know, visually, you're seeing somebody creep around, but but auditorily. Right. Now, the thing is that the score was fine, except for every now and then there was this added drum bass that was going on that was a little bit too action movie centric instead of mm. creeping mm. noise and it threw me off and i'm like what can we just turn this part down mm. i mean if you have to have those wacky drums going definitely turn those down in your mixer mm. when you're finally you know finishing this all up and sending it out to the public because okay. it yeah. really th- it took me out of the moment so that when Evil Beekeeper shows up, I'm like, eh, I, I knew he was coming anyway. You know, I, I think I'm going to have to watch this episode again to actually, no, I, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Well, those were our thoughts on the things that we thought needed a little bit of polish. But we want to know what you thought were the bads in this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com, fill out the contact form, and let us know your thoughts. It's time to take a break here during the Curious Goods podcast. We will be right back. (laughs) Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm. 
your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing the Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From the Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. Editing podcasts can be ugh, rough. Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content, and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time to make your podcast soar. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment, real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 2, Episode 11, The Sweetest Sting. Every time we come back from break, it's time for Nick and I to break out our manifest moment. A manifest moment is where Nick and I recognize either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling element inside this episode, or something else that tripped our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what have you got? This episode was lacking in a certain flavor. Normally, I tend to focus on either character development or the cursed item itself. I got none of that in this episode. Mm -hmm. So I'm mm -hmm. sticking with something simple mm -hmm. and angry. Mr. Purdy, his three appearances in this episode, all angry Purdy with his angry dog and his angry shotgun. <laughs> I feel that gave me a little bit of the the country flavor. I, I it's almost I don't want to call it a cliche, mm -hmm. but I mean, come on, he he was the angry hillbilly, but it didn't go overboard with angry hillbilliness. I'm not dissing the performance at all. I think it was handled very well, mm -hmm. and every time we met the character, there was something a little bit more that that we got from him. Right, uh, and his angry dog. But especially his angry shotgun. Mm -hmm. And that's that's my manifest moment. Angry Purdy. Interesting. I think my manifest moment inside this episode goes to something a little bit more foundational. And it is being unable to not revisit your previous life. 
I think one of the few things I can take from this episode is that if any of us was given the chance, minus all the death, of course, (laughs) but if you were given the chance to leave your existing life with one caveat, and the one caveat is that you can never, ever re-enter or re-engage your life. Yeah. That's a very difficult question for most people. Mm-hmm. As yeah. much as as much as people think, man, I hate my life, and man, I could just throw it all away and start over again, and I would be good. I don't think that's the case, and that's why I liked having the perspective of a guy that, while he has recently been diagnosed with cancer, while he's recently been fired, while he's recently been transformed into another dude, and the only thing you've got to do is not connect with your previous life. He can't do it. Yeah. There are a myriad of reasons why, but the big one is the guilt of having to leave behind his wife, who is now destitute. Right, yeah. Because yeah. the beneficiary and the insurance policy had been changed over to beekeeper men. And that's that's a huge pill to swallow, even though he's onto this new life with presumably this new wife and whatever else the the unsympathetic boss had, he can't just step into that life because he is tethered to his previous life. And I, I enjoyed that uh, of the things inside the episode. I enjoyed seeing that there was a, there was a semblance of good in that man, a piece of integrity by the end. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That could not just simply be swapped for fortune and not being dead. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed that. I think the failing for the episode goes with not showing what, Ben Landis's reason was. Yeah. Because when we meet yeah. him, it's just, oh, okay, so he's leaving his wife and child behind to get a new life. But we never find out why. Yeah. So when Landis ends up, you know, going kaputsky, who cares? Right. You know, because it sounds to me like he did it for selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. Whereas our our main character, Corn Combine cancer diagnosis blah 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 whatever <laughs> that guy when he does it he does it out of well i've got a death sentence and i've been told my wife's going to be taken care of so okay i'm gonna do this for her but i'm also gonna do this for me and then you know tables turn towards the end and it's like no i'm not that kind of person i regret everything that i've done yeah. i have to fix this yeah that 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 piece of integrity to flash back towards the rest of the episode that that is a saving grace inside of this yeah, episode definitely sure. yeah that's where we ask you guys what was your manifest moment inside this episode let us know what you think by going over to our website that's curiousgoodspodcast.com click on the web form fill it out tell us what is your manifest moment from this episode Ah, the vocabulary segment. A time where we take the words used inside of this episode and share them with you. Because we're nice like that. We are nice like that. The first word, and neither of our words, unfortunately, start with the letter B. (laughs) Our first word is... Apiary. Apiary, a very interesting word that means, according to our friends over at visualthesaurus.com, a shed containing a number of beehives. I have never heard, and I have never saw this episode, so I've never seen this word either. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. I didn't know that that's what a bee farm was called, so I've learned something. Yeah, I love that. In fact, did you know that Metallica's James Hetfield is a person who has his own apiary? Really? Yeah. Hmm. 
I would have never thought that too. And while he's recently gone on some drunken binge where he had to go back into rehab again, I'm, I'm, I'm. He's another one that's moved out into the middle of nowhere, Northwest. What's it called? Is it called heavy metal, honey? I, I'm not entirely oh. sure, but it's got to be something cool. And uh, it, it, there's an interview that we'll link up inside the uh, show notes for this episode about that. It's it. It just came up out of complete casual conversation during an interview, and I thought it was very, very interesting because of the people I would, you know, like, let's see, James Hetfield and bees. Nope. I got nothing. And right, it's right. true. It's true. Our second word, again, thanks to our friends over at visualthesaurus.com is extortion. There are two definitions we're going to use here. The first is an unjust exaction as by the misuse of authority. And then the second one we're going to use is our favorite, the felonious act of extorting money as by threats of violence, which is exactly what we have inside this episode. Yes, yes. That is what evil beekeeper man, <laughs> also known as McCabe, uh, <laughs> the, the does. The names are worthless inside of this. I, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> I got none of the names inside of this, and it's not because I didn't like. I, I like using a, a what a, a seventeen word description for a man rather than right. one name. Yeah, and I bet the editor loves it too. <laughs> <laughs> but I got none. I got uh, none yeah. of their names. I get it. I, I understand. Yankee ball, Yankee ball cap guy. I got ben unsympathetic Landis. boss. You don't know his name either. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> We're still talking about vocabulary here, Mike. Okay. All right. Anyway, those are the two vocabulary words that we collected from this episode. If you have more great words that we should be talking about inside of this episode, let us know what you think by going to our website again. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form. Tell us which words we need to be talking about inside this episode. Episode Radio. Ah, the rating inside of the Curious Goods podcast for this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, season two, episode 11. The sweetest sting. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. The sweetest, best bucket of honey the Pooh Bear has ever had. Mmm, yummy. A 1 is on the bottom of the scale. Oh, oh, the bees! Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? The entire time I'm watching this episode, anytime the bees would attack somebody, I immediately went to the horrible remake of The Wicker Man starring Nicolas Cage. And this film is... It's horrible. It is It is a bad film. Not only is it a bad remake, A, you shouldn't touch the Wicker Man anyway. I mean, it was- <laughs> Don't Don't touch the Don't DVD touch case. the Wicker Man because it was, awesome. it was a great film to begin with. Yeah. But if you're going to remake something, don't make it god awful. Yeah. And mm. I love Nick Cage. I love watching Nick Cage in good movies, but I especially love watching Nick Cage in bad movies <laughs> yeah. because even he will make it somewhat- Entertaining, not enjoyable, entertaining. Yeah. This cannot be said for the Wicker Man. Mm -hmm. And the epitome of his overacting in this film comes in a scene towards the end. Uh, and it's a deleted scene. It's, it's actually a part of the unrated version of the film. So unless you've seen the unrated version, 
There's an unrated version yes, of the Wicker an, Man. Yes, there's an unrated <laughs> version of that. It, unless you've actually watched the unrated version, you don't even see that scene. Now it's been made famous because of social media. Yeah. But but the uh, the the cult basically puts this harness, this head harness, on his head and dumps bees inside of the helmet thing. And he's screaming, oh, oh, the bees, they're in my eyes, they're in, when you can plainly see that there are no bees in his eyes. So how are they, are they in your eyes, Mr. Cage? See, I don't think that they are. He's just saying that to be more horrific because of, all of us never want but, to have, but you, know, that's what, you, fine. Know, you know what's on the top of my list of not having in uh, life? Bees in your eyes. <laughs> I get that. Okay. But with digital technology, we could have at least shown bees on his eyes. They never even got close to his eyes. But I told you that story just so that I could flavor. Oh, gosh, thanks. The, the yummy honey flavoring of this episode where my rating is concerned. Okay. Do tell. I got a kick out of this one because of the acting. There was a lot of great performances. I agree. I agree. Uh, all around. Uh, even even our, our side characters who only had a couple of scenes. Unfortunately, with the complicated cursed item and the horrible bee effects, I can only give this episode a six. Mm. It's just below average for me. Again, starting with a loathing of bees at the beginning of this episode, <laughs> does not t- equate to a terribly positive review for me. But, you know, the, there's there's a lot to be said inside of this. And it is atmospheric, there's no question. Yeah. Uh, it does bathe you in bees, there's no question there either. So that all the horrific wonder that, again, a film like The Swarm wanted to achieve, it was achieved inside of this as well, where there's bees flying all over the place and people getting killed. The deconstructive nature of how complicated this is, where it couldn't have just been cursed bees that Mm. insert cool thing happens when you get stung by them because they are cursed bees. Yeah. That that seems to me like it would have been a a much easier play. But would that have been too simple, I guess? I don't know. I guess I, I think of it this way. I think the generation of this this episode was started by somebody reading inside of a book that ancient Egyptians <laughs> liked to use honey for the continuation of young life. I think that that was read in a book someplace, and thereby we must now make and or divine a cursed object that can foster that. That's where I think, you know, rather than it being a, reasonably straightforward mechanism it becomes this complicated tapestry of things that happen and what if we infuse like they can live they can live forever but they've got to have an ingestion of of honey every now and then to keep them viable blah and i think that sounds cool but after three or four up and downs of that mechanical nature it doesn't get it doesn't get good. It starts to ebb into bad, and I think that there just wasn't anybody to grab the reins. Essentially, I yeah. don't know. There's a piece of that. I, I liked everything that we saw. There was uh, even as we pick on the the B special effects, there was still a lot other things to see inside mm-hmm. of this episode. So I'm going to jump up a little bit higher than you and put this at an average, so a seven, because I would want someone to watch this. If for nothing else, the angry man with a angry dog and angry shotgun stuff is is just legend yeah and again i do like that they they chose to get out of the city again inside this episode that's where we ask you guys what do you rate this episode season two episode 11 the sweetest sting 
Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what you rated this episode. All right. Well, thanks again for joining. Oh, my bagel is ready. Awesome. Okay. You know what tastes great with bagels? Yeah, I, I could go for some honey. Have you got some honey? I actually have some honey. It's very really? special honey. Oh, 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 hey. I'm sorry, what? Mike. It seems that I've spilled my special honey all over your hands. How am I going to get this off me now? Oh, I have... I have some friends here in my oh. bag that'll help take that off right away. My, 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 my eyes! They're in my eyes! In my eyes! Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. Every episode of Curious Goods has goods. Are you sure? Are you? You sure? Are they angry goods? (laughs) It makes just as much sense as everything (laughs) else that you've said. I know. Everything starts at a seven as an average. The numbers go up with B's. Blah. (laughs) (laughs) With B positives.